They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. Don't we feel so official and nice with our new big voice guy? Shout out to Rob for bringing us in. But this is the Heisman Park Rangers alongside. This is the first time we've podcasted together in person, Randy. This is exciting. I know. We're not on a Zoom chat or anything. It's kind of crazy. What is that about? Well, so everyone, obviously, you don't know this because I, you know, do a little bit of editing, but uh, we have not yet gotten through a single podcast without one of our Zooms either going down, an internet going out, something like that. So I'm actually look, looking forward to have uh, one through line thought that I can finish from start to finish at the end of recording this podcast. You know, you're jinxing it, right? Yeah, something obviously. Will, I mean, we're still yeah. dealing with computers, so I'll give it a second or two and something will mess up. No yeah. Doubt. Just like I noticed you're turning your silent on, I did mine too. Going, yeah, yeah, because that will be the thing that messes up. If yep. nothing else. Yeah. And and the thing is, we're just gonna leave it in if it happens though, because now everyone knows Scouts Honor. This one's for real, but it's, all, uh, yeah. it's for real. And we saved it for the bye week, of course, because why not? Why not? But real quick, before we dive into all that, at RJ Heights 1077 on Twitter at Radios Ryan, follow us both there. That's where you can interact with us, get all of our coverage. Like we said, we uh, often forget about doing it until right before the podcast but we'll like tweet today. out links for your listener questions things like that that is where you can go to get all that taken care of but randy it's a bye week and it's a planned bye week thankfully which is better than some other institutions you know around the state that have had to deal with double bye weeks but i guess the question is really we had this wild red river game last weekend and is this the best possible time for a bye week for a young football team you know, I said it earlier in the week on the other podcast. I really think it is because the emotions that were involved in that game, because, Ryan, it was truly a roller coaster of emotions from the highest of highs to getting the big, you know, getting up big, having the lead, then all of a sudden it's slipping away. Woody Washington with the interception with three minutes to go or whatever it was right in that neighborhood where they think they have it sealed up, but then Texas still ties it. Yeah, I think it was a perfect time. Plus, I mean, you're a couple of weeks away from getting suspended guys back, or some of them, depending on. Allegedly. Even though if you see Perrion Winfrey's Instagram oh. post from, what, Tuesday? Yeah. Or no, that was Wednesday, wasn't it? Where it's like, my guys are back for TCU. And then, like, <laughs> 20 seconds later, it's delete, down. delete, delete, delete. You know that was OU going, what are you doing? What what a saga this has been. As uh, uh, Tuesday, we talked to Lincoln Riley in the press conference. I believe it was Keegan Renault who asked point blank, What's the status on Ronnie Perkins and then Chris Murray? Because we had heard both that Ronnie Perkins would be back. Ronnie Perkins did not play against Texas. And that Chris Murray had his eligibility waiver approved. Chris Murray did not play against Texas. Lincoln confirmed Chris Murray will be back, and he's looking to him as a guy that can contribute. He also said, on the Ronnie Perkins deal, if I ever write a book, there will be a whole chapter about that mess. Yeah, which, you know, reading it to what you want, I mean, it's – there's rumors out there floating maybe another test failed, you know, could be the problem. But no matter what, it just seems so odd right now with what's going on with that whole ordeal. But that's what made Winfrey's tweet before it was taken down the other day so odd because the only one potentially, based on all the rumors that had floated out there the weeks before, that could be back for TCU was Ronnie Perkins. Right. Well, on that tweet that Winfrey sent out, it was – Everyone, not Murray, but, you know, right. all the suspended guys were back. And you're going, uh, 
what so is lost? I'm well, like, what, what in the world's going on? Like, here? what is, what is happening? And also, is that who are, is the Sooner fan? Are you concerned if that is Perion's boys? Those three specifically about uh, going on later yeah. into the season. No more tests, Perion. With, no more with the bowl season coming up. That's not what you want. But I, I guess. There's obviously, uh, look, whenever those guys get back, they will be huge additions, not only to the defense with Ronnie Perkins, but we've kind of talked about can TJ Pledger do this consistently. Seth McGowan, as a freshman, he's been nice, but having Ramondre Stevenson back will make you feel a lot better about anything that that offensive line's doing, even if Chris Murray doesn't have the impact we think he will. Then you talk about Trajan Bridges. I know that Drake Stoops has been great down the field, but there have been problems with him sealing the corner on some of those bubble screens, things like that, just because he's the smallest dude out there. Trajan Bridges isn't that guy. You have to imagine that this will be a huge jolt in the arm to this Oklahoma team. Yeah, regardless. I mean, the defense, if Ronnie Perkins is eligible at any point in time this year, just for the way that the defense has performed at times this year, they get the biggest boost of all. The best pass rusher on the team would be back if he ever gets to come back. Offense has helped just because alone. Stevenson, one of the big contributors from last year's team, the only one that could play this year since Kennedy Brooks opted out. You know, so, I mean, that's a big help right there. And that running back room, I think, showed a little more depth last week with the way Marcus Major played and, of course, Pledger. And then, like you say, I mean, McGowan gets back in there. All of a sudden, they're four deep. You feel a lot better about that room. But I think Bridges could offer the most, a little more physical, a little bigger, because in the end, as good as Drake Stoops has been, and I'm not ripping the kid at all, he's played great, and I like the role he plays. Bridges gives you that bigger, stronger, faster guy to go down the field, more in the C.D. Land-type role, you know, from last year than what Drake Stoops is going to be. He's more the Wes Welker-type role, that little guy over the middle that almost gets lost behind the defender. Well, the the ceiling is just higher with Trajan Bridges, and that is why, coming out of high school, he was the one with all the stars attached to his name. Athletically, the ceiling's higher. If Trajan Bridges doesn't perform, it's not due to not being gifted athletically. And and I'm not saying that Drake Stoops isn't. It's just, like you said, bigger, faster, stronger. It's just one of those things that whatever Drake Stoops could be, if Trajan Bridges applies that same mental side of the game, he can just, his ceiling is so much higher. And that's what you kind of want to see out of this offense because we're going to get into this a little bit later, talking about the future for the Sooners and and what a path to Arlington looks like. But even if the Sooners do not end up defending their five-time Big 12 crown, things like that, you want all of those young guys on the field getting all the reps this year so that when the calendar rolls over to the 2021 season, it is a seasoned group ready to retake the throne and put themselves back into that college football playoff. And it's not going through another, okay, well, we need five or six games of Trajan Bridges to get his feet back under him. You know, things like that. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And, and call me a Bridges homer because I know when the three guys, Hazelwood, Bridges, and we signed, and I, I like the other two a lot. I think they're tremendous I watched a lot of game film on all three of them coming out that year because, hey, three five-star receivers, Weiss and Hazelwood, both number one receivers depending on which recruiting service you looked at. And Bridges got that five-star late. There was something about watching Trajan game film in high school that I liked. And maybe it is because he's a little bit more that bigger physical, you know, use the power style receiver that I like in a kid. I like his upside almost more than the other two. And that's not just because – hey, you haven't seen him, and I'm jumping on that bandwagon. There was something about him. So I'm really interested to see once he starts getting those regular reps that he didn't get last year, this year when he gets back in there, 
see what this kid could bring because you're right. As much as it has to do with this year, it may have more to do with next year. And I, I love more than anything the edge that we've seen already out of Trajan Bridges last year. Remember when the defense was having troubles just fielding a secondary oh, early yeah. on last year? Who was the dude that we had that two weeks of, well, Lincoln Riley's not confirming that anyone's practicing on both sides, and you go to the next press conference, and Granger's like, yeah, Trajan's worked with the DBs all week, and did he come in and get a lot of penalties and, and basically suplex a dude in secondary? Sure. He's not going to play safety. He's not going to play nickelback, but he has that that dog in him almost, that, ag- that aggressiveness, that want to, which you almost wonder what we've talked about. If this team is fading at the end of a second quarter, at the end of a fourth quarter, is he that in-your-face guy that you need in the huddle that basically says, look, guys, screw this, let's go out, let's finish this game. And and it's interesting to me always to see that last year he, he can't really be that guy because Jalen Hurts is the leader of the team. Right. You have a Kennedy Brooks, you have a C.D. Lamb. This team now is looking for more leaders, and, and he's a guy that can step in and take ownership when he returns. So whether that's against TCU or the next week against, what, Texas Tech, I believe? Yeah, but yeah, because then it's Kansas at home that we got. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, whether it's in <clears throat> Fort Worth or against the Red Raiders – Welcome, welcome additions to the Sooner lineup. Yeah, all, all of them will be. And Chris Murray, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. That probably is the biggest addition. When you look at it, he becomes, I think, instantly the best inside offensive lineman as far as the guard position that Oklahoma has. And you like what they did last week. That offensive line, for the most part, it had ups and downs, but played probably what I would consider their best game, especially in the run-blocking game. And you look at that, and you look at Chris Murray getting in there, starting to get reps, and they get that gelling. You like what the offensive line can become now because it gives them more depth where they can rotate guys in, stay fresh. Maybe, like you say, where the defense has had issues maybe late in the game, maybe those issues aren't there as much because you got a little bit of that depth on the offensive line. You got your best inside blocker. So now it's easier to take five minutes off a clock on a long drive, even if it results in no points or just a field goal you're driving the field, running the ball more than going, all right, they they boxed in on us, time to throw it, and maybe, you know, an incompletion stops the clock. You're more comfortable going, we're going to run this game out. Right, and, and I just know, um, talking to some people that are more familiar with Chris Murray than I am, they are very excited for what he can bring to this team, very excited for what he can bring, especially to that running game. Sure, you're waiting on Ramondre Stevenson. Cool. You have a little bit more inexperienced running backs in Pledger mm-hmm. and uh, McGowan than you have in Stevenson. But this is a dude that is athletic enough to get to that second level and finish off some blocks and, and open up what have been creases into gaping holes. So if he's able to come in, and Lincoln Riley said this was a great week for him to be deemed eligible because that means we have the entire bye week, Lincoln said, basically to, to work him into the fold, things like that. I'll be really interested to see, and I think everyone's eyeballs should be glued to that mm-hmm. offensive line throughout the first quarter because we know we've seen this with Swinson and Harrison. Who you get on the first drive might not be who you get on the second drive, and it'll be very interesting if you see a throw a you know, Swinson and Tyrese Robinson out there on the first drive and the Sooners look fine. And all of a sudden, on the second drive, they march straight down the field, gashing the TCU defense. And all of a sudden, if we see a Harrison and Murray at left tackle and right guard, you might have a little bit of midseason controversy there on the offensive line. To be honest, I don't think it's controversy. I think that's what everyone's waiting for. Right. I mean, back to Harrison being listed, we've said this numerous times on the podcast. First team left tackle to start the season, and I'd been calling for it for weeks, going, okay. 
Um, he's supposed to be the starter. Where, where well, why is he not playing? You know, and we saw it last week. And I, I think you're right. Maybe that's what we see coming out. You know, Murray doesn't get the start against TCU, but second drive. All right, it's a nice experiment. We gave you one more game or one more drive. Let's get our big dogs in there. And, and that's one thing I like about this team because I'm one again. As bad as the defense has been, I don't think it's been that bad as a whole. Right. I think a lot of it has been offenses. It hasn't been complimentary football, which then, because the defense, when I say it hasn't been bad, it's not a great defense. So you need, if you're not great, you need complimentary football. And that's where I think now it's a better chance to play complimentary football, whether it's the defense did give up a long drive, they need a break. Right. Now, I think with Murray getting in there, with Harrison in there, this team's going to be more at that spot. All right, we need to help the defense out. Instead of scoring in a minute and a half, we need to have a four-minute drive just to give them some rest back to complimentary football. And I think OU's a lot closer to that with Murray and Harrison in there now. Yeah, and moving over to the defense, perfect segue there, Randy. Um, So we kind of had this discussion a little bit at the end of our, of our recap pod for OU Texas, but I, I want to dive back into this a little more now that we've had a lot of time right. to marinate on this. So I know that the, the troubling stat from the Cotton Bowl is that Texas' points only came in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, which essentially lends itself to the narrative that this team's not well-conditioned because they're fading. Right. The, the, at the end of the second quarter, the longest time they've been out there in the first half, that's when the defense has been the worst. Well, we kind of you know said, well— Remember, there were the three straight turnovers by the Oklahoma offense that led to 17 points. So shout out to the defense, I guess, for holding Texas to a field goal on one of those drives. But the fourth quarter, the discussion that we kind of got into is, do you think that was more on the defense fading or was that Alex Grinch's play calling on those last two drives? And we saw Lincoln Riley said he was encouraged because there were dudes in that fourth quarter that he could tell were absolutely gassed but were asking, please, please let me go back into the game on defense. That kind of brought me back to saying maybe these guys aren't as well conditioned as we thought. I think it's a combo. I'll right. be honest. I, I'm like second quarter I discount altogether because, yeah, they gave up two touchdowns. One of them was on a short field. The other held to a field goal. That defense still played well in the second quarter because they could have easily been down 21-17 going in a half. Right. So the defense, in a way, did their job there. So I'm discounting the second quarter. I think it's a combo in the fourth quarter. A little bit of it is them being tired. And I think, and granted, never played Division One football or anything like that, but I really want to get a guy on, and we will here in the next few weeks. I think some of it is that when you go into that prevent defense, because I feel like back to it is some of Grinch's calls in that quarter. All right, if you're already tired and you're going, all right, back there prevent it, is it easier for those guys to maybe, I'm not going to say take it easy, but start right. breathing and like, oh, God, I'm, I'm exhausted here. You already Whereas know. if you're on edge, like, hey, we're playing balls to the wall. We're going to kill the guy. Even if you're tired, you don't feel it as much because you're going full steam. Well, and you you already know in a prevent that everyone in the secondary knows, well, I'm going to be chasing a guy for five or six seconds. Mm-hmm. And, and the D-line says, okay, we can do our pass rush, but we only got three guys coming, so are we really going to hit home? You know what I mean? Things right. like that. And I think it's definitely uh, lends it to that. But, that again, where Ronnie Perkins coming back, even if it takes – three or four games for Ronnie Perkins to get back into game condition and to be back to the guy that we knew at the end of last season, 
that's one more body in the rotation. That's that's one percentage less snaps, one guy percent less snaps everyone has to take on that defensive front. And we saw when they are fresh for the second straight year, the defensive line ravaged Texas in the Cotton Bowl. No doubt. Well, and also I'll go back to the where they tired or gas or play calling where I go almost it's a little bit of the play calling them, lets them show if they are exhausted. Because look at the overtime. Once they finally went, you know what? We're going back to what got us the lead of 31-17. to 17. Right. Defensive line didn't look to be gassed. Right. Defensive backs didn't look to be gassed. So that's where I go back. Prevent does a couple of things. It lulls you into a false sense of security. So that's where, like you say, Ronnie Perkins, it'll help. But I, I will make this bet right now. Unless the team is up like 56-17 to 17 on somebody with five minutes to go, I don't think we'll see that prevent defense again this year. Right. That That's my bet. I think they've learned their lesson, or at least I'd like to think. And you're going to see coaches going, you know what? Up 14, up 21. Uh, game's not at zero yet. Go get the quarterback. Right. Go get the running back. Make them pay. So I, I think that's the one thing we have to wait and see and watch. You know? But that's the one thing I'll say. I don't think we'll see that defense again as far as the prevent rush three guys. And <laughs> Alex Grinch did kind of uh, – I love when Alex Grinch kind of talks to himself in front of us during right. the press conference because he, he, he's kind of been preaching this line of, you know, the calls aren't different in the first half, in the first quarter than they are on the last play of the game. So obviously, you know, it's an execution thing to which at this time he was like, well, maybe they needed to be a little bit. <laughs> and, and that's on me, which it shows him, you know, kind of being like, well, okay, maybe I didn't call that fourth quarter as well as, you know, I right. thought it would, things like that. All right, we're going to get into – um, tiebreakers and a really interesting tidbit about which the Big just 12. Which throw every name in a hat and draw a team. Yeah, basically. which Because there was an interesting tweet I saw that got me thinking about this as it pertains to the Big 12 title game. But, Randy, I do have to take a U-turn here. I didn't put this anywhere because I wanted to get your genuine thoughts on this. What you got? Okay, so <clears throat> the last three-ish weeks, we have heard this mantra of needing consistency – because at times Oklahoma has played great football, even though they lost to Kansas State, Iowa State, blew the lead against Texas. They need this consistency, and the word I kept hearing this week, especially out of the defense, was we need to finish. We need to finish. We need to finish. Now me, living in Norman for all of my life, immediately I'm sitting in the press conference and I black out, and I just start rocking back and forth with PTSD, hearkening to I know where you're going. This right? image that is plastered into my head. We are about to sit down and watch the Orange Bowl. It's January 5th, 2005, I believe January 5th. We're sitting down, and there's a Sooner fan with a finish sign where the eyes are the logos in the Orange Bowl that dot the eyes. And I've just started scrubbing the internet because next time any lead, like if OU's up 21 against TCU and TCU scores a single touchdown, I need that photo so I can just tweet it out on Twitter because I'm concerned uh, of the direction it's going in. I, I knew exactly what you were thinking because I was at that Orange Bowl. You know those little rubber bands, right? Yes. The bracelet thing. Had one that said finish. That ended up in the ocean that night because it's like, finish what? You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, it, exactly. You said they're going, can we not think of a new mantra? Something new. This is it's this scarring is, to people from Norman, from Oklahoma. This is where Josie needs to pick up the phone and be like, Lincoln, Alex, you cannot be held responsible for this, obviously. But can we just not, can we just finish one time? You can use one finish per press conference. Otherwise, let's figure something else yeah, out. A new one. Get creative. Yeah. You have a nice social media team. Figure it out. It's funny. I didn't know if anyone else would catch that because, yeah, I thought of that exact same thing because, yeah, not kidding. 
had one of the bracelets, went into the ocean that I, night. Yeah, I reached out to uh, our friend Dylan Buckingham to say, so I've I've been Googling for about four days now, have not found any of the photos, haven't been able to find any of the stories that were written, which is total bullshit because I know there were tons of stories written about it. I remember the ESPN package leading into the game, can't find yep. it. So I, I asked Dylan, I was like, hey, do, in the, the vaunted archives at Channel 4, do you, did you guys ever do a story on this? Can you send me that footage? Because I, I need a mashup of just, uh, you know, when things start to go south, maybe it'll make me feel better to be snarky on Twitter. Yeah, we may never see that again. I would hope. I'm like you. Josie, make a phone call now. <laughs> I think Bob burned the tapes, actually, after all that. But okay, so in the middle of My Sunday. My liver burned that night. Oh, I bet. <clears throat> I, I uh, probably would have got fetal alcohol poisoning if I, you know. I think I was probably close to that, yeah. Yeah, so um, I saw a really interesting tweet this Sunday, Randy, that I sent to you, which kind of sparked. Mm-hmm. We put a pin in it. But Bovada put out new odds for the winner of the Big 12 championship after OU Texas, and Oklahoma has risen back to the top. Oklahoma is now the betting favorite yet again to win the Big 12 championship, despite the fact that OU has two losses. Kansas State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State all undefeated in conference right now. So I wanted to sit down and say, what exactly are the tiebreakers, and what do Sooner fans need to be rooting for for the Sooners to have a shot to get even to the game in Arlington, much less win it. It's crazy when you look at all of them. But I will say this. Don't don't always look at the betting odds as like, oh, yeah, that's because they really think they're going to win. It's because the betting public out there saw OU drop and they got Oklahoma. I don't even know what the odds number are right now. But, like, let's say now they got them at, when they went to make a bet. Oh, Oklahoma's a 30-1 to one shot to win the Big 12. Right. I'll, throw, I'll lay 100. And all of a sudden all that money starts coming in that way going, hey, it's worth the $25 bet, and they move up to the front. But, I mean, it is hard to bet against them just in the sense of it's that old adage like Kansas always had in the basketball conference. Until they don't do it, why would you bet against them? Exactly. So looking at these tiebreakers, though, um, again, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Here's how the conference stands ahead of Oklahoma. So like I said, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, all ahead of them with no losses. Awesome. West Virginia and Baylor, they're both sitting at 1-1. One and one. Obviously, Baylor and OSU tacked on to the end of the season. I believe, is it West Virginia-Kansas this weekend in the only yes. Big 12 game? Marquee stuff right there. And then that's where the logjam comes of OU, TCU, and Texas at 1-2. and two. So here are the tiebreakers. First off is just conference record. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, sorry. First off is head-to-head. Right. Now we're getting into what the tiebreakers would be if there's a three-way tie or more. Because right. we all agree... I, so right now, Kansas State and Iowa State both have to lose three games. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if they are all alone tied with Oklahoma, Oklahoma will lose on head-to-head, obviously. OSU only has to lose twice, assuming that Oklahoma wins. So count that as one of them, because if OSU has two losses, OU wins. Yeah. OU is the tiebreaker. And Good we're going to assume OU winning out with all these scenarios. Obviously, yes, obviously. So if you get into a three-way tie, the first tiebreaker is conference records. Mm-hmm. But you're in a three-way tie. Right. So they're gonna, yeah, yeah. So your second conference, your second tiebreaker is going to be conference records of remaining teams from top to bottom. This is where it gets interesting because if you get into a three-way tie, the Sooners really need Iowa State to be a member of that three-way tie and Oklahoma State to be at number one because then top to bottom, OU has beaten Oklahoma State. Um, it, there's a scenario where OU, Texas, and Iowa State all have two losses. Very easy to imagine. OSU beats Iowa State next weekend, and then Texas wins out. That's all you have to ask for. Well, then you have a four-way tie 
And then it gets fun. Then it gets really fun. So um, the, the easiest thing, again, is this OSU-Iowa State game next weekend. Mm-hmm. Sooner fans really need whoever wins that game got to run the table yeah. other than the OU game. It's one of two options. Whoever wins it, run the table, or choke off the rest of the season. Yes. Those are your options. And, and I I think that this is why I, I told you Oklahoma fans really need to put on their Cyclone hats, I feel like, mm-hmm. because I, I think if Iowa State can beat OSU, they probably have a better shot with what they have left, because OSU still will have to play Oklahoma and Texas. Iowa State obviously has already played Oklahoma. They'll have beat OSU, so really that's one other game that you have circled. Kansas State, like, Skylar Thompson's out for the season, so it's hard for me to believe they're going to be able to that's continue. Be, I'm almost yeah. – hate to be that way, but I'm almost like, yeah, all right, they're done. Yeah, and it's one of those things that – so Kansas State, they've played Oklahoma, okay, but they've also played – Texas Tech and TCU. Not exactly world beaters. They've still got OSU on the schedule, still got Texas, Iowa State, obviously. That West Virginia game's not going to be easy. West Virginia has shown you must move the ball against us. Right. We're not going to just succumb to easy stuff. So I really feel like Kansas State's going to get eliminated in all this. But I really think that Iowa State's the one because their defense right now, obviously the Big Ten and the Pac-12 aren't there, but PFF has them rated as their number 21 defense. They've got the number 36 offense, and the best part is that their run game is ranked 22nd. If you've got that offensive line run blocking, you've got Brees Hall running wild, that's just less pressure you have to put on Brock Purdy. And just from a standpoint of if you're rooting for a team to win as many games as possible, if they're putting the ball in Brock Purdy's hands less, less less chance for an interception. When Spencer Sanders comes back from OSU, we all think that he's taking that step forward, but... We've only seen him... Three series? Right. Like, they're going to be airing the ball out. So, Spencer Sanders has shown in the past the penchant to turn the ball over at catastrophic times. Like, I think that's why Iowa State is the better option of rooting for someone just because I feel like they're just more stable. Their ceiling is not as high as the Cowboys, in my opinion, but they're more likely to to just roll through that grind the rest of the year. Uh, And I will say this. Here's the one thing I think that's interesting because – with Iowa State, and I'm not slamming Oklahoma State here, but with those two, let's say, in the driver's seat right now, because I'm like you, I kind of discount Kansas State without Skylar Thompson. I It's going to be interesting to follow whoever wins that game because Iowa State's definitely not been in this position, and really no one on Oklahoma State's roster has been in this position, you know, as far as to be in the driver's seat. It's going to be interesting to see at the winner of that game what happens mentally to that team? Because this conference could turn into a total cluster F You when you look at it in the sense of, oh, you know, if you're Iowa State, man, we beat Oklahoma. We've knocked off Oklahoma State, who looked to be the favorite now. You know, do they start taking it easy a couple of weeks? And with that offense, like you're talking about, if they start taking things for granted, is it one of those things they can't write the ship till three games later after playing Texas you know, playing a couple of other teams, and next thing you know, they've got three bad losses. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, you got five teams tied with three losses because I'm not going to say, oh, you're going to win out for sure the rest. Of- right. You know what I mean, it- it's going to be really interesting. And the same thing with Oklahoma State. If they go beat Iowa State, hey, bully, bully, and they start feeling really good about themselves because, look, we're finally the big dogs. We're undefeated in conference. And like you mentioned, you got Oklahoma, you got Texas. They still got TCU, which isn't great, but – They've had issues with Oklahoma State in the past. You know, it's it's one of those deals. 
I don't know how to look at the race in this conference just because back before in the past, there's always been that dominant team. Right. Without there being a dominant team, I don't see anyone taking control. So as much as we're talking about tiebreakers now, there may be three teams that get involved in this tiebreaker in four weeks. So we're like, oh, we, we counted West Virginia out. What the hell are they doing there? Well, here's even the thing is I would say that none of these teams in the top half are head and shoulders above anyone else, really. Right. Like, we we obviously, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, they are the ones that have not subbed their toe yet. But say Oklahoma State goes out and beats Iowa State. Very, right. very likely awesome. And then that shows us Iowa State has some flaws. They could very easily go out and lose to Texas because there is a scenario right. where somehow, some way, Texas gets it together. I don't believe in Texas. I think Texas is a train wreck. Right I now. think but they're I'm a train wreck. But if, if somehow, for whatever reason, they have their come to Jesus meeting and Chris Del Conte being an idiot rallies the troops behind hating the eyes of Texas or something, who knows what's going on? Yeah. If Texas wins out and OU wins out, OSU standing there with two losses. If OSU would beat Iowa State under this scenario, so you're going to have OSU, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, they're all going to be sitting there uh-huh. with two losses. And then you dive back in. This conference record, well, conference I, record's going to be a wash. Then it goes conference record from a reigning team's top to bottom. That's where you hope that Kansas State uh, just gets – Pounded the rest of the right. year and drops that all the way down because as as soon as teams get eliminated out, it then goes straight back to head to head. So if three teams are sitting there, and Oklahoma and, and say it's been a round robin beating, yeah, yeah, exactly, it's been a round robin beating. That's when you keep going down. But if Oklahoma somehow keeps getting weed down, weeded down, and Oklahoma and Iowa State are sitting there at some point, Iowa State's just going to go through because Oklahoma dropped that game. It's going to be really interesting too because. Let's throw at the very wild card scenario. And it's not, again, people think Homer. It's not going to happen. I will preface, it would take, I don't know what kind of miracle for it to happen. But you get OU, you get Texas with two losses. And in this crazy 2020 coronavirus season, we all think the Big 12 is eliminated from the playoff, you know, as far as Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma State still has a shot, but if they're, you know, like multiple teams with two losses, after watching what happened in the SEC last week, anything is possible. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and all of a sudden, because after watching what's happening in the SEC this week, I don't think there's going to be any chance unless it's, I don't even see how they could do it. A 5-0 and Ohio State team would make it in the playoff. Unless they're just, you know, Prison raping people, you know, at the 50. Because, right. Because here's the thing. When you look at it, if they're 5-0, and oh, there's no way they're going to get in. So there's going to be slots open. And the reason why I say everything's wide open, I think we're starting to see coronavirus have more of an effect in the SEC because those first travel trips. Well, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have zero bye weeks labeled in there. Right. Week two or three, they're going to have an outbreak where teams are getting their games canceled because it's going to be those first road trips where they're like, oh, crap, that's what we did wrong. Now we have 23 guys out. We can't play the game this week. Right. You know, and so it's very, very unlikely, but let's not give up on that for the Big 12. And I don't mean for Oklahoma. So all these scenarios we're saying here, there's going to be Big 12 conference reps going, uh, 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 what, what's hope. going on? Because it's all about a payday in a year where money's tight. Right. If you can sneak a team in, 
That's what, another $20 million for the conference? Well, exactly. They're going, whatever we need to do to get X in, we need to make sure they're in. How do we do that? Well, and here's All of a sudden, another 40 seconds is thrown on a clock somewhere. Oh, well, they tried that already. Exactly. And... <laughs> so now it's like... <laughs> they, they tried that, and it did not pan out. But uh, for those of you wondering, like, yeah, it's conference record, then conference record remaining team. Then scoring differential, then draw. So there is no college football playoff ranking, nothing like that. OU does not have any uh, pole inertia advantage because they lost their two games right. before everyone else. So that's where that could, you know, come. Though it makes more sense as far as getting a representative into the conference title game, you could bite the Big 12 in the butt where, you know, hey, maybe OU is the highest ranked team because they lost first. But they're scoring differentials booty because they can't close a team out, and all of a sudden you're going, "Dang it, guys! We should have exactly. just put we should have just put the college football playoff ranking in there and let just let the highest team ride." Yeah, exactly, because that's what's going to be interesting. Because that could happen. Because not only that, let's say Oklahoma State it gets into this spot, and, and you know, let's look at the Oklahoma angle. Oklahoma State wins out until the Oklahoma game. They're going to be number what five. Six right. in the country? Yeah. You know, at, at oh, worst. And let's say OU only wins by a touchdown, but there's a touchdown. All of a sudden, this is Oklahoma. Oh, everyone's going to be like, they got their problems fixed. They start winning, moving up in polls. They play a few more ranked teams, you know, and the Big 12 gets a couple in there. All of a sudden, they're moving up the polls again. Other teams are losing in front of them. Next thing you know, you're right. The Big 12 going to be like, hey, can we go back in? Can, um, can we write that yeah, in? Wait, wait. Don't look at the website. Start yeah. typing up rules in there. I mean, because it's about money this year. That's what everyone's got to realize. It's about money when you get down to it this year, more than ever. The Big 12 calls Barry Switzer in to host the studio show so that he can have that, you know, just smirk on his face where everyone's like, okay, we we can't run this through the whole show. Barry's about to just yell, oh, use in, oh, use yeah. in. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just going to be fun. But I think the, the title game is interesting personally. Whoever, and I think you already said it, as an OU fan, you just need to be watching that Iowa State-Oklahoma State game next week. Have a rooting interest if you want to root for Iowa State, but regardless of the outcome, at that point in time, just root for that team to win out. Unless it's Oklahoma State, lose one game, that being the one to Oklahoma, win out the rest of the way, and you feel pretty good about OU sneaking in the back door to the Big 12 title game. Yeah, and I think that's where it just becomes – interesting on a national scale of I believe the college football playoff committee needs to come out and say we are announcing our final rankings on this day they have have they yeah it's it's the week after the big 12 the secondary big 12 title okay game. the 19th you know I think it's what the 24th or okay the 22nd. okay they're supposed to be announcing it okay I must so, have missed that because that's yeah. where because that's where we talk about this big 10 of the, the big 12 did the best thing possible and the ACC too which was start early enough to give yourself two bye weeks plus that third bye week if you can bump the conference title game back and if any team has more than three reschedules they probably should just start forfeiting because they're not doing something right exactly and but I mean the big the college football playoff has said that now I will say this they push back what one or two weeks for the announcing of the first poll when it comes out right if I'm if I and they already said no to this, but I, I just can't understand why the college football playoff wouldn't get together in a little room, go, you know what? I don't care if it's two teams, if it's four more teams. We're adding some teams to the playoff for this year for that exact reason. Because anyone with half a brain looks at the Big Ten and goes, you're not getting in all your season right now. Right. If we're going to truly announce on December 22nd 
who's in the playoff. I find the playoff committee, I'd call the Big Ten and go, you're not making it unless you pull a miracle out of your hat. No matter what you do, you're not making it because you're going to lose some games to the coronavirus. So start lobbying everyone else to make it an 18 playoff year, basically. And, hell, you could even go and you can say, look, all the Power Fives, awesome. AAC, you've been a pain in the ass yelling Power Six, Power Six. Sure, crown a champion, however you're going to crown it. We'll put one of you guys in, the two best teams you know, out of everybody else, fine and dandy, pop eight teams in there and just say, we have money, everyone is happy, every conference is going to get a little slice of that payday. And, and let me tell you, first time in 2020, if the Big Ten tried to campaign for that, guess what? Big 12 is right there with the Big Ten, shoulder to shoulder, going, yes, eight teams. Because that's their best chance to get a piece of that pie. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that everyone can kind of come together this season. The SEC and maybe the ACC would be the only ones that say, well, screw you guys. But everyone else is like, we're going from maybe getting a piece of the pie to being guaranteed. Maybe we don't get $20 million, Maybe we get $12 million. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all about the money. What do we get? That's what we want. Exactly. Money, money, money. But – just like a prostitute on the corner of the street. Give me some money. Exactly. Little songs about Jane there. Shout out Maroon 5. But like like we said, not a ton of great uh, Big 12 games this weekend because there's only you one. Kansas West. It's Big Noon. Oh, yeah. Big Noon kickoff or whatever. Les Miles was cleared but won't coach the game out, like, of abundance, it, out of not... abundance of caution. You turn over it's... to the SEC and Nick Saban's going to be on the sideline. No, so... it's out of an abundance of sucking. Yes. He's like, no, I'm not going. Les is like, wait, I get paid the exact same amount. Whether I'm there for the loss or got, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I don't want to go get cornholed in West Virginia in the mountains, so I'm yeah. going to stay home. Yeah, don't blame him at all, but we'll be back next week. Uh, Wednesday should be our next episode, obviously previewing Oklahoma and Texas Christian University. It'll be uh, – I'm really excited for this game mainly because what we saw in the Cotton Bowl might be the aberration. The Sooners need to go out there and prove that they can put together 60 minutes of football still, but they need to prove that even if they don't, they can overcome that and win a game before we can really say mm-hmm. this team's locked in and, and, and has a real shot to make that run to get back to Arlington. I'm right there with you, and, and if they do that, if they do that, I'll go out on that limb. If they go out and play a complete 60-minute game and win, I'll go out on the limb and say, yeah, I feel pretty good this team will find a way into Arlington. If they have another... I don't. Let's go ahead and go with the victory. If they have another Texas game, no, I, I don't see this team making a Darlington because at some point that will bite them in the butt again, whether right. it's against an Oklahoma State, whether it's against a West Virginia. It, it, somebody will bite them in the butt. If they can put 60 minutes against a decent TCU team, I think they make it to Arlington. Absolutely. I, I'm right there with you, Randy. And not to get too much into it, obviously we'll have the full breakdown, the full preview. I've been watching TCU football all day long trying to get ready for this. So hopefully we'll have Is a that lot why of, your eyes are bleeding? Yes, it is. It's uh it's not it's it's not a fun undertaking, but that's what we do for you, the listener, so that you know that, you know, hey, we slog through those games so that you don't have to. We'll have everything on Wednesday and hopefully a little surprise. Uh added to your weekly diet starting next week so stay tuned for that again at rj heights 1077 at radios ryan at highball network you follow those three twitter accounts you will get all the info on when the pods are dropping and what content we're bringing to you yeah and check out the highball network you got a lot of good podcasts i know you do one with christine christine yes. and Addison do a great one as well follow all those so a good chance to check out some you know alternative listening when you're 
out driving around. Absolutely. And and speaking of Christina Madison, really quick, Winning Women podcast, that's the podcast. You're going to want to download that. I've heard through the grapevine they have a huge guest, ESPN, coming on. So uh, get excited for that. I know we certainly are around here. Yep. It should be a lot of fun. Check out Highball Network. Absolutely. All right, Randy, we've done enough damage. Let's get out of here. Sounds good. Bye.